This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Mark. All right, so Matt Miller did four now, right? Four sermons four. on repentance. Yes. They've been a lot of fun. Basically, Up we're all brood of vipers. And four sermons on repentance. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. They've been excellent. Honestly, they're they're good. Oh sermons. yeah, no, they were good. Oh, but it just sounds, I know. No, that just sounds like a lot, though. <laughs> what was I saying to you last when you walked in? I don't know. We try not to pay close attention. <laughs> oh, he walks up into the booth to get his microphone on, and I was oh, like, "All right, this place is this place, We're doing pretty good this morning. Ready to bring him right back down?" Yeah. Oh yeah. Preach a good old space. <laughs> Between maker. him and uh, how many sermons have I talked about death? I don't know. I know. It's like you're all gonna die. And people keep coming. I don't understand it. Yeah, we are. We, we are. You're gonna all... die. Repent. You're gonna die. Repent. This is the actually. That's that's very re- good pastoral care. You're gonna die. So repent. That's yeah. our argument. That's our argument, and we're doing it week in and week out until they either die or <laughs> repent. repent. <laughs> yeah, a glimpse into the mind of a pastor right now. Anyhow, um, in talking though to you. Um, I, I mentioned that as I was listening uh, to your sermons, um, questions came to my mind. Um, just because I listen to a sermon differently probably than most people there because I also preach. And so I was thinking about, wow, he could have gone this way, or he, I wonder what how he would develop that. And of course, in a sermon, you're always having to decide what you develop and what you don't develop. And <laughs> if not, you'll, you'll never get off that one verse or whatever. And so um, with that, I talked to you about it and I said, you know, would you mind doing maybe a podcast where I just ask you some questions? And you said, sure. And that's what we're going to do here. Basically, it's a podcast about repentance. Yeah. And so you're going to be doing the bulk of the talking, which will always be better. But Mm -hmm. I have... (laughs) Mark. (laughs) I mean... No, I'm... I'm just speaking for all of us you, here. Mm-hmm, in wisdom. But. Yeah, in wisdom. No, in, in... And humility. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I've read all your books on it, so we're good. <laughs> you know, some poor sap is going to hear this podcast for the, as their first podcast, and will wonder why they don't return. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, we're going to ask questions about, or I want to ask you some questions Let's that I want you to develop, right? Let's do it. So... I would, first of all, give a commercial. Go to our uh, website, missiodayfellowship.org. Um, you can actually listen to Matt uh, preach those sermons. They're worth your time. Or you can just download our notes. Um, we make our sermon notes available so they can also have that as a resource. So we we would encourage people to do that. And that would also help them have a context of what I'm talking about. But you said in one of your sermons— that the Christian life is to be intensely proactive, um, that we are to be constantly self-examining and self-testing. And so, as you were talking about the nature of repentance, mm. 
it's it's the fact that our life is one that we are always to be in a state of repenting. Yeah. It's it's a pattern of repentance, right? Yep. Um, and to do that well, we have to be self-examining. Um, and my question in my mind was, okay, what are some of the ways, if you were talking to a person in a room or a group of people um, in a more intimate setting than preaching, how, how would you say we are to self-examine? Yeah. So I, first of all, this statements like that always come out of kind of the understanding that we live in such a consumer culture where yeah. we're, we're passive by and large. And so because we attend this thing on Sunday morning, we've gone to the event, we've done our deed and now we've upped our holiness points or something. And Or, or we were really convicted. Yeah. Yeah. And that was when I had talked about in the first one is conviction. Of, oh, that's true. Conviction of sin yeah. is not the evidence of yeah. repentance at all. Um, or that salvation even exists. Um, that's just an understanding of guilt. Um, but that doesn't mean you've changed at all in your thinking, in your life, or anything. And so... Yeah, let me just say once again, if they're not aware of it, these sermons are all available, missiodefellowship.org. And that was a great sermon, that first sermon on on just the nature of repentance. So... Yeah. All right, Very so clarifying. anyhow. Yeah. So, so the, in light of just being passive and... Uh, you know, even through osmosis, we're in a room with people who are holy. Somehow we buy into the lie that what they are is what we are. And they've reached a level of sanctification. They walk with Christ. They're maturing. And because I go to that church where they go, mm -hmm. that must be me as well. And it's not. That's not the reality. Um, and so I, I think each person is truly to be in the state of self-examining and self-testing. What I mean by that is they're to constantly day in and day out. This is a daily process, a point I try to make very clear of bringing the fullness of scripture to bear on your life. Um, now, what it means just in a practical sense is just to take low hanging fruit. You could take a passage, for instance, like Titus two, and you could just read through that thing and then examine your own life in light of that and where you are. And it's very basic things like women, you know, being reverent in their behavior, not being malicious gossips, um, you know, urging young women to be sensible. So constantly asking yourself the question, how am I doing? Um, am I doing better at this this year than last year? Am I doing better this month than last month? And just going through those basic commands of scripture and saying, how am I doing? Am I faulting? Am I failing? Am I just slumped into some neutral zone where I haven't grown? I haven't pressed on it all in the past X amount of time. So just constantly bringing scripture to bear on your life and filtering it through that. This comes to your decision makings, your motives, your motivations, uh, all of those things. Well, how, how in light of that, then let me throw out a second question. Um, how do you do that without also, the fact is, if we're not careful, all we can do is see our failings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how do you do that and guard your heart from despair? Sure. Well, the, what I also tried to make clear is that there's two different kinds of repentance. There's two different categories. Um, and so the first one is a repentance unto the forgiveness of sin. Um, and I tried to define it as turning from sin, Satan, and self toward Christ and him crucified. And so that's that initial justification where you recognize yourself as a sinner. You have that Isaiah 6 moment. Woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. And you turn toward now the true God and realize that forgiveness and rescues found in the cross work of Christ alone. Then in light of that, now you enter into this second 
sphere category, which is now a process of repentance. Um, and so what you're doing is you're constantly trying to change. And so you're turning from now sin, Satan, and self to holiness and obedience. Um, it's no longer just Christ for justification, but holiness and obedience for sanctification. That is becoming more and more like Christ, this one to whom you've turned. And so you're to constantly be doing that, but always looking back at that initial justification that your forgiveness rests fully on Christ alone, but don't slide into that and just stay there. Well, I, it's under the blood, you know, it's, yeah. it's always, um, it's, it's covered. I don't have to worry about holiness. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff, but you're constantly keep pressing forward. Paul says, I buffet my body so that I might win the race. And you're always looking to Christ, the author and perfect of your faith, knowing of what he's taken care of on the cross. Okay. Yeah. I, I know that for myself, just, I, I make it a habit that when I go to bed each night, I try to review just think about my day. Um, and sometimes there's just things that first thing in the morning, maybe I need to go seek my wife's forgiveness or somebody else's. But it, it's a good way to just simply, a very simple way of examining, you know, how, okay, I lived an entire day. You know, was it a faithful day? Was I diligent and honest and truthful? Um, and, and part of that's just before I go to sleep, then if there's things I need to confess, I need to confess them. But then I can go to sleep with a, yeah. a clear conscience. Um, right. But it's always going to be in light of what you said, the scripture. It, what I try to tell people as well is don't look at yourself this week, um, not even necessarily this month, but look at yourself in terms of years. Are you are you further along in the faith this That's year than last year? Because in the midst of the year, you're going to have these ups and downs. Yeah. You know, you're going to have these patterns where sometimes you fall into sin again. Um or you're going to have a pattern where you all, you feel like you're doing well. I, I feel like I'm putting sin away. I feel like I'm pressing on toward Christ. Um, and so you're up in these, these peaks and these valleys. Um, but hopefully that whole trajectory is moving upward. Right. Even though you got this up and down right. while you're on that upward trajectory. So look that, at, Go ahead. I was no. going to say, so look at yourself in years, um, not merely in months, weeks, even days. Okay. So you said something just a few minutes ago. Uh, that leads me to my next uh, question. That is, there are two types of repentance then. Yeah. There's a repentance that is unto salvation, where you're turning from your works, your dead gods, whatever they might be, uh, to the living God, right? Yeah. Um, and so that that's that initial repentance unto salvation. And then there's a second repentance. How would you describe that? Yeah, so that would be the repentance unto sanctification. Okay. So that's turning from, then from sin, Satan, and self to holiness and obedience. Um, and one of the points that I tried to make clear was um, if you're seeing this second category of sanctification happening in your life, then you should have a lot of confidence that that first one took place. So this is where assurance comes in. Absolutely. My assurance yeah. of salvation is not that I walked an aisle. Or said a prayer. raise, yeah, yeah, raise my hand, said a prayer, or anything else. It's I'm seeing now the the fruit yeah. of that justification in my sanctification. I'm now right. learning to put away sin. Yeah, because in the reason why I did the whole series on repentance is because I'm preaching through Luke, and I get to this part where John tell gives the people a command: bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Yeah, that's brutal. He doesn't say remind yourself of God. In his faithfulness. Or just preach the gospel to yourself. Yeah. yeah. The command is to bear fruit. That's a command, bear fruit. And which is why, you know, this whole 
conversation of faithfulness versus fruitfulness is not always helpful because if you're faithful, you will bear fruit. And if you do bear fruit, that's evidence that you're being faithful. Right. And Well, that's James. I mean, you said it yeah. nicely, but that's what James is. He's like, okay, you say you have faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. You show me your faith without works. <laughs> you, you can't do it. The yeah. only way you can say and show that you truly believe is it's evidence in what you do or don't do. Yeah. So, so then would you also would say then that if, you're not seeing a consistent life of repentance unto sanctification or holiness, um, then that person at some point at least should have a pause yeah. to consider, are, am, I, am I truly in Christ? Yeah, and, and I really, I do believe that lack of assurance for the true believer is one of God's mechanisms for causing a person to persevere. Because it's when they begin to lack that assurance that they really do begin to examine and analyze their life and decisions and what they're doing, what they're not doing. And it's for the true believer who then in light of that will once again, begin that process of repentance. And, you know, I, I, I worked this one out and I went to first John last time where basically John's mark of true repentance is love for the brethren, right? And so right, right. Um, he'll constantly say over and over again that the reason you ought to have confidence that you're in the faith is if you're seeing a real live love for the brethren, present tense verbs, the constant continual love for the brethren. And well, he'll also say on the flip side of that is if you're not loving the brethren, you're not gonna have assurance. Um, now your lack of assurance might be due to other kinds of sin and things like that. But for John, it's something simple like not loving your local church. I, I appreciated that because, you know, the constant frustration you get as a pastor is how many people will profess Christ but hold the body of Christ and the gathering together in any meaningful way yeah. with the brethren um, in a, in the most flippant of ways. And they're, they're very casual with it. And you're like, have you truly yeah. tasted of the kindness of God? Yeah. Um, and have you had that initial repentance? I'll say one other point to that is, I forget which one it was, but at some point I then went to Ephesians chapter four, mm -hmm. which was um, Paul's version of repentance. Um, that so, was in your first, I think that was in your first sermon. It doesn't it, matter. Yeah, well, yeah it's good stuff. Um, so if repentance fundamentally is a shift in your thinking or a change of mind from one direction to another. Paul fleshes this out in practical terms with this concept of put off and put on. Um, and we see that in Ephesians chapter four, and so he basically just goes through a few different kinds of, of sins um, that he says put off. And then he says, now put on in light of that Christ. Um, and so uh, what I, in verse 22, he says, in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and then be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So again, repentance is fundamentally a thing about the mind um, and put on the new self which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness, holiness, and truth. And what I love about this is he's talking to Christians, right? Right. And, and he's having to give them the command to lay aside the old self, which implies that apparently you can be a Christian and still not yet have fully laid aside in some sense, the old self. And then he has to command them then now put on the new self, put on Christ, put on holiness, which again implies that you can be a genuine Christian and not have put on that new self or that new man, as he talks about. And so to the question about those who feel discouraged in their Christian walk, I would say that you can be a Christian and you're just walking in disobedience. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. 
But at some point, you have to recognize that and then repent, which means now you, in light of that knowledge, in light of this being brought to you, either through scripture or someone preaching a sermon or brother and sister in Christ coming to you and pointing something out, if you're a genuine Christian, you will lay that aside and then you will put on Christ. And so my encouragement to the people would be like, just today, start repenting. You don't have to go back and atone for old sin. Even if you presumed upon the grace of God, you knew it was sin, you did it anyway. Don't worry about it today. If you hear his voice, repent right. <laughs> and start moving. Well, it, it, I think it was with you um, that I had a conversation along those lines was um, the answer, if they're not a Christian or they are a Christian, really doesn't matter because the answer is going to be the same. So if, yeah. if you had a person come into your office and they're like, man, I just don't know if I'm Christian or not. And, and they're just talking about the way they're trapped in sin. Um, you could pronounce upon them, yeah, I don't think you're saved. What would be the command then for them to to do? Stop. Yeah, repent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, then you need to repent and turn to Christ. Um, and if you have a person and you're convinced that they're saved and, and stuff, but they're really struggling with it, what's the answer that you're going to give to them because they're still trapped in sin in some way? Yeah, repent. Yeah, and so it doesn't matter one way or the other. The answer is always going to come back is repent. Re- and then part of that repentance for a person, there's that day day in, day out kind of cleansing, if you will, or daily confession and washing um, that a, a Christian should make a habit of. But people get out of the habit or they get comfortable with the sin or they have rationalized it away until it's not a sin. And then they listen to you preach, you know, right, and the exactly. conviction of the yeah. Spirit just comes on them. Um, you know, so the, it, they haven't been in the habit of... Um, learning to put these things away and 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 they have and they're going on and on with with the sin they, the the point then is to go back and reaffirm i believe this gospel which is again what you're going to say to a non-christian here's the gospel believe it so the christian is just going to ask do i believe that i do believe it okay then what do i need to do in light of that what you just said stop stop doing it this is a day and you, you, you go to your wife, you go to your children, you go to whatever, you confess to them too so that they know that you're aware of what you've been doing, and you begin to press on with the, with the Christian walk. Okay, I'm, I'm going to hopefully not set you up uh, for this because um, it's not one that we had talked about, but where does where does the fact that a person's not when you're talking to a person and you're are there things in your mind that you're looking for um as to whether they're just a christian trapped in sin versus maybe they really need to take a hard look at whether they truly yeah turn to god through the gospel you know that initial repentance am i making sense i think so yeah. i my, my for me, okay, and I know it's just a subjective thing, but for me, it's almost always when you bring the Word of God to bear in a situation and you're bringing either correction or or just instruction or whatever it might be, sometimes an admonition, um, do they fight it? Are they, are they kicking against what you're saying as they're showing it to them in Scripture? Or are they trying to justify, rationalize things away? And, and what about this? Or, or the yeah buts and all those things versus a person. And we talk about this often where it's, it's so clear to us, a person who's repenting. 
because you bring up a situation and they're just like, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I got to do. I'm doing it. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. We've yeah. talked about it with church discipline because we've had people who have been cast from the church and then they call and say, yeah, I want to repent. And then the negotiations start. And you're yeah. like, there are no negotiations in repentance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. You never have to scratch your head when a person's repentant. Yeah. There was a, there was a guy I just talked to recently who um, didn't see an issue with something. Doesn't matter what it was, but he didn't see an issue with something. And then he started hearing some things. And he's like, boy, I actually don't know. And so he reached out to me as his pastor and he said, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And I just wrote him a, an email on it. And he's just like, I, I, I see it 100%. I agree with that. In fact, do you mind if I take this and oh. copy paste it or whatever, send it to some other people who I know have, are kind of doing the same thing and they're, they're Christians and whatnot. And he actually did that. And he said he got met with major resistance and all kinds of justifications and rationalizations and excuses. And I, I just told him he was discouraged. And I said, don't be, I said, to be quite frank, that's the difference between I think one who's repentant and one who loves their sin. Right. Well, and it's actually heading, that's a great segue to one of my other questions because you, you make a comment in your sermon where you said, the state of being that no true Christian ever possesses is a motionless lifestyle. Um, there's no such thing as... Yeah. Just being in neutral, I, I I said it in a less classy way. It's just there's no you, there's no ability to coast as a Christian. You're either pressing forward, you don't or you're sliding into heaven. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and and yet we have that going on all the time nowadays. Um, and I'm going to blame a lot of that uh, on the pulpit. The the pulpit is just not doing what ought to do. Um, you, you go on, you say this, you say, there is no other means of sanctification but the Word of God. That is that is God's ordained means to save or, or bring sanctification. Um, so I'm going to give you a chance to freely rant about the American pulpit in general in light of that. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I probably... I do want to rant, but I, it's also heartbreaking at another level because mm -hmm. I'm also aware of passages. And I brought this one up too, like in Hebrews chapter 12, where he, he says, there is a holiness without which no one sees the kingdom of God. Yeah. And his point there is there is a level of sanctification that every Christian must reach if they're to enter heaven. Now, if they're a genuine Christian, they will reach it. Um, God is the one who secures that for you. Um, but that's why I say there can be no such thing as this kind of neutral, or what was the old term, carnal Christianity, yeah. where you just exist. There's there's no concept in any biblical author's mind that that's even a reality. And so there has to be this sanctification that happens. There has to be a level of holiness that each Christian must reach without which he won't see the kingdom of God. And the means though of reaching that holiness is always gonna be through the word of God. And Jesus himself said it in, John 17, 17, he said, sanctify them in your truth. Why? For your word is, is the truth. And he's picking up on that, on that Psalm 119, which is that wonderful Psalm where the entire longest Psalm in the Bible, book in the Bible, the whole entire thing's about um, the word of God. And he's picking up in particular uh, um, Psalm 119 and 160, where he says, the sum of thy word is truth. 
in other words, the fullness, the sum of it, everything that the word is. So you have to preach the full counsel of God. The sum of thy word is truth. And every one of thy righteous ordinances is, is everlasting. Again, talking about ideas of holiness and that which will go on forever. And so to ha not have the word of God preached is to keep people out of heaven in my mind. How else are they going to reach that level of holiness Hebrews talks about? Um, the American church this day is so concerned with the, quote, conversion. Not at all concerned about holiness. Galatians 4, right, where Paul is passionate that I see Christ formed in you, yeah. the church. And how is he going to do that? Through the word. So if you have a wordless church, you have a holy list, a church that's not holy, um, in which case you may just not have Christians. <laughs> well, that gets into... You, that guy asked you for pastoral advice yeah, because he started coming in a conviction because he actually started hearing some things. Now he's coming in a conviction. He's like, you're right. He sends it to others who are professing Christ and they're reacting in a very different way. Um, I see that as one of two possibilities. I mean, there's only two really there. They're, they're not genuinely ever come to Christ because they've never been called to repent and turn to Christ in the truest sense of it. They may have accepted him or added him, but they never repented. Or the other is that because they're still under such lousy teaching, yeah. that they even if they come under conviction, they're being told, no, 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 it's okay. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I'll say it over again, Christ didn't die for the conversion, he died for holiness. Um, yeah. You know, he died for that final glorification, if you will. And so... Yeah, to, to not have the Word of God present, taught, and perpetually going forth is to stunt people at best, but in the long term, probably just keep people out of heaven. Yeah, and that that's my big problem with the pulpit today is that you don't have men standing and looking. They're so busy trying to be cool with their skinny jeans and their, you know, no pulpit and— Long t-shirts. Yeah, and, you know, heaven forbid we ask people to bring their Bible and just— Chit chat. We're going to have a conversation about Jesus. You don't need a conversation. You need to confront them with Jesus. You need to bring bring the word, and you need to bring the word as the word, not slip it in in some casual way or using it out of its context. Uh, and and we see that as pastors, right? We get guys coming in. I mean, guys, meaning people coming into our church, and we spend so much time just trying to undo bad things or casual things about God and his word and the Christian life, because that's all they've been hearing from yep. the pulpits. And it's, it's so exasperating. But I, I think in the end, what you're going to have is a lot of men who will literally have to give an account for the souls that they had watch over and they didn't watch over them. They, they, they mistreated yeah. them. And it's very frustrating. That's, that, that's what really struck me in, in that sermon. And then another thing that you did, I thought that was so enjoyable, um, was you dealt with First uh, John and the classic passage about if you confess your sins, and and you talked about that this is where all true repentance must begin. Yeah, um, that we have to begin with this recognition of what we truly are. So, why don't you just explain that again? Because it's worth hearing. It, it did my soul good. Yeah, the, the passage itself. Yeah, or, yeah. Well, and and just the points. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's just you know to go back to the last point though too is is no one likes to preach on sin. 
because it doesn't keep butts in the seats. Yeah. Um, it offends people and then they're not coming back. Um, but you have to, you, you have to preach on sin. It's what John was doing as a faithful preacher and it's what Jesus did and certainly what Paul did and Peter. And so you have to preach on sin. Um, why? Because you need to give an opportunity for the confession. Um, and so in first John chapter one and verse eight, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Even the language that we use today of, you know, we're all sick, we're all messed up, we're all broken. Yeah. I hate that. No, you're not. You're a sinner and you're dead. That's the language you should be using. Um, just this kind of loose, vague stuff so we can all feel good. Really, I mean, that's what you're doing is you're creating an environment where we're just neutralizing everything, where we're all the same and mm -hmm. just kind of broken and we need something. It's like, no, you're a sinner hostile to God and alienated from him. <laughs> and you need to be able to confess that. So you got to preach sin. You got to expose to people who they are and what they truly are before a holy God. And so he says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So why don't you confess? Because you, you've deceived yourself. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so it's, it's a very interesting text and I won't get into too much here, but essentially it's broken down in something called conditional statements, if then statements. If this is true, then this is the result. And so in verses eight and 10, you have a parallel. If we say we have no sin, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned. Um, and so these are what people are saying with their mouth from the overflow of their own sinful heart. And what are they saying? Well, they're saying they have no sin. Um, sandwiched in between that is verse nine. However, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive. And, and so that's not the same as saying, right. He's making actually a contrast between that. hundred percent. So you have, if we say in eight and 10, and then in verse nine, if we confess. So now confession's different than right. a, a saying or agreeing or holding to something. And it's an interesting term. I tried to break it down, but it's, it's made up of two Greek terms. Um, uh, homo, you know, hamas and, and legeo or homo and legeo, which is homo means, our English means same. And then lego from the Greek means I say. And so when you put them together, it's it's to say the same thing or to, to agree to the same word, right. but the same word as somebody else. And in the context here, who are you agreeing with if you're confessing? Well, you're agreeing with God and his word, end of verse 10. Um, his word is in you. And what is God saying about you? Well, he's saying that you're a sinner. <laughs> and so a person who confesses their sin all they're doing is agreeing with God that yes, I am what you say I am. And so that and that's why he uses say versus confess. Yeah. You're saying that you have no sin. Well, then you're not agreeing with God. Yeah. You're not saying the same thing. And and that's the point. Yeah. Until we get it figured out what God is saying about you, um, that that wasn't a mistake. That wasn't I was sleepy. Yeah. That wasn't that I had a bad day. Yeah. No. I'm struggling. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little struggling. Broken. Struggling. A little yeah. broken. Yeah. Yeah. I, All messed up. I, I was abused when I was younger. You have to excuse that. Right. At that point, all we're doing is talking. Right. And a lot of pastors will let that slide and say, yeah, yeah, but isn't it great that Jesus came to take our brokenness? It's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's, uh, sorry, I've heard no, that kind of stuff, right. and yeah, I know you've heard it too, yeah. and we just go crazy. Yeah, no, but you're right. It's saying what God has said, which is why he says, but if we say we've not sinned in verse 10, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And the point I tried to draw out was that's not to say that you actually make him a liar, because he's not. There's no lie found in God at all. It's, um, it's, it's you're making him out to be, because he said one thing, namely, you're a sinner, and now you come along and say, nah, I'm not. 
Well, at that point, now you don't have forgiveness <laughs> and you don't have righteousness to cleanse you. Um, so it's, it's a very, I think, foundational text for understanding the nature of repentance is it has to begin with sin. And then acknowledging that you are a sinner before a holy God, confessing to that, agreeing to that, and then basically giving and saying, yeah, I, I need a savior. I need righteousness to cleanse me from this. And and uh, kind of as we draw this to a close to do a big circle, the only way you're going to do be able to confess, truly confess as what God is declaring true about your situation is if you know the word. Absolutely. Which is goes right back right. into John 17 that, you know, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Mm -hmm. And so until a person has a firm grasp of the word of God because it's being taught and they're ingesting it and meditating on it and, and uh, understanding it, then they're they're in trouble. And that's what we find again, like your friend that you were just talking about, uh, he hadn't been well taught apparently. And so certain situations were never explained to him as this is not in keeping with a godly life and as a Christian. But once the moment that he starts to hear it, yeah. he's troubled, he wants to know more, he wants, and now he, he's like, man, not only do I need to stop this, but I need my friends to understand yeah. this because they're doing it. And it's not a, it's not a begrudging kind of, yeah, you know, submission. It's, it's, I, I want this, I want to, delight in this this word and in obedience to this word and it's what david says in psalm one or i guess that's not technically david but who do we know who wrote we don't know who wrote psalm one let's we? just say david all right let's just say god god yes um he says how blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers contrast verse two but his delight is in the law of the lord and on that law he meditates day and night well what's the implication that there are people then who do delight in walking in the counsel of the wicked standing in the path of sinners sitting in the seat of scoffers so why is it that when you can bring a command of scripture to a person and they resist it justify rationalize but don't find delight in it, well, it's because they find their delight in something else, which is their sin. And so to your point, it's, yeah, there, I mean, it, it's such a stark contrast. It's not hard. It's obvious. It's clear who's repenting and who's not. And, and it goes back into why it's so deadly then to be a Christian going to a church where the word is not faithfully taught in depth, uh, taught and being taught well, um, you, you're setting yourself up to fail. You're setting yourself up to walk in sin, um, not to know what godliness looks like, because your your pastor and your teachers are being unfaithful in that. And again, it's it's deadly. Um, only when you know the word can you then rightly confess. So um, we just we want to strongly emphasize that. Well, I appreciate your time. Yeah. Um, and I hope the people listening will actually take time to hear your sermons because I think they're a needed uh, statement for today. Yeah, it's good for my own soul. Mm -hmm.